0: Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you hear the word faith, what do you think of? Uh, You might think of some kind of magical force that some people talk about having faith. You might think of Faith Hill, a country singer, uh, No, nobody thinks of faith Hill. You, know, you might think of a religion, like a particular faith, uh, a way of belief, a particular um, subscribing to a certain way of life, certain uh, doctrines and certain thoughts of, on how life should be done. Um, there's all sorts of different ways this word of faith is used. And the way I want us to think about faith today and for the next couple of weeks is to think of it as strong belief in or trust of someone or something. Strong belief in or trust of. In something or in someone. So when we use it this way, there's all sorts of interesting headlines that the paper puts out that uses faith in this way. For instance, uh, the public loses faith in out-of-control cops. That just ran in the paper in in Great Britain this past week because I guess they're having out-of-control cops there. Um, Ordinary folks lose faith in stocks. So I guess that article has something to do about people losing confidence or their trust in the stock market and how to to invest. The Ukrainians lose faith in the judicial system. Um, So if you live in the Ukraine, uh, you don't want to go to court, apparently. Um, The Green Bay Packers lose faith in kicker Mason Crosby. That was headline December 16th. Um, Of course, maybe their faith has been renewed recently. Uh, We see this as a sports metaphor a lot. In fact, this past Monday is called Black Monday in the NFL because all of the underperforming teams and the underperforming coaches, they get the axe, a lot of them. And so the NFL has called that day Black Monday. And in fact, this year, like many other years, seven coaches and some of the GMs were fired from their jobs. And the reason they were fired is because the team, the players, had lost faith in the coach or in the general manager. They'd lost faith. They had lost um, belief in them. They'd lost trust in them that they they could... Aren't you glad that the Broncos lost faith in Josh McDaniel? I mean, you know, if you're a Bronco fan, if you're a Raiders fan, tough darts for you. But uh, we all understand this use of this word faith. We, we know this. In fact, we use this word in our own vocabulary oftentimes because it denotes the power of a relationship in our lives. So we can lose faith in our bank. I don't think they're going to you know take care of me or lend me the money or they're not really helping me out. We can lose faith in a brand of vehicle. Boy, I'm never going to drive that kind of car again. That was a horrible experience. We lose faith. We lose belief. We lose trust. We lose confidence. We can lose faith in a business or in a government, or in a church, or in a person, or a spouse, or a child. We can lose faith, can't we? We can lose belief and trust and confidence in all of those things. Now, why? What are we talking about when we're using faith this way? Well, I think at the core, we're talking about a relationship. When you think about it, the Philadelphia Eagles lost faith in Andy Reid, so they fired him. They ended the relationship. They said, uh-uh, no more. We are done with you. We don't trust you. We don't believe in you. Get out of here. That's how Steve DeVittor and the Philadelphians speak, I think. <laughs> or maybe that's Brooklyn. I don't know. Anyways, but the Kansas City Chiefs came along and they said, Andy Reid, we have faith in you. We're going we're gonna to hire you. We are going to begin a relationship with you. Now, this is a principle that we all understand, I think, but it get, when you apply it to religion and when you apply it to God, it can become magical thinking. It can become really weird. And so when we talk about a growing faith, what I want you to understand and what I want you to think about is using faith in this way, a growing trust, a growing belief in someone, a growing trust and a growing belief in God. That's how I want you to think about faith in this series. And really, this will serve you well throughout your life to think about faith this way. I mean, many of us have have been around people who are diagnosed with some horrible disease. I mentioned Brant recently, Marnie's cousin. We've all seen somebody suffer, and we all think stuff about faith oftentimes when that happens. And sometimes you'll hear really crazy, magical thinker Christian people say stuff like, well, if you had enough faith, right? Maybe somebody said that to you about a a situation or a a problem or something going on in your life. But that's the magical thinking idea of faith. That's not the relational thinking of faith. And nowhere in scripture does it say something like, well, if you just had enough faith, you know, things would go your way. In fact, you never get a promise in Scripture that things will go your way ever, no matter what you believe or don't believe. So that's not a good use of faith. The word faith always talks about relationship. It talks about trust and belief in something or someone. That's how the Bible uses the word faith. So we're going to look at this. We're going to jump around some scriptures uh, just to kind of introduce us to this idea of faith. And one of the things I wrestle with is how, how can you know that your faith is growing? I mean, I know that my kids are growing because they're getting taller and they're consuming lots more food. I mean, I just know they're growing. I I watch them. I hear them complain about, oh, my knee is hurting. Well, you grew five inches in two hours. I I, I think it would grow. It would hurt. I mean, I can see them growing. I can see me growing sometimes, you know? Good trip to Kansas City. Wow, I grew five pounds. That's amazing. Didn't know you could do that in 24 hours, but I did. (laughs) Uh, We can watch ourselves grow. We can watch our kids grow. We can watch our spouses grow. We can watch gardens grow. We can watch dogs grow, cattle grow. We can watch stuff grow. Can we watch faith grow? I mean, do we know if faith is growing? Could you watch it in me? Could you watch it in somebody else? Could you watch it in yourself? Could you actually see that it's growing well, before you say, uh, I don't know. Ooh, there's this verse in Scripture, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Bailey's taking feverish notes, but she's going to show that on the screen here in a moment. Uh, Paul tells us this, 2 Thessalonians. We ought always to thank God for you. He's talking about the Thessalonians. <laughs> say that 10 times fast. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. Right there we get the answer from the Bible that Paul the Apostle says, I can look at this church in Thessalonia and know if they're growing. Isn't that interesting? Because number one, he's not even the pastor there. He's like a missionary. He came, he saw, he said some stuff that made people mad, and then he left. And then he gets reports, he gets mail from them. He hears from other people who've gone to Thessalonica and he hears about how that church is growing. And and he says, I can see if you're growing or not. I can see that your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. I can see, he says, that your love for each other is growing. It's increasing. Therefore, now this is interesting. Because I thought this was a sin until I read that Paul did it. Therefore, among God's churches, churches we, what's that word? Boast about you. We boast about your pers- perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. I didn't know it was okay to boast about your church. In fact, I, I, was on, I did this online webinar thing with Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback and he kind of bugs me sometimes because he boasts about his church. Do you know what one of his boasts about his church was? He said, I will put my top thousand growing Christians against any other church's top thousand growing Christians anywhere in the world. Because he has such confidence that the top thousand people in his church, their faith is growing more and more and their ability to love each other is increasing And he goes, bring it on, First Christian Church of Ray, Colorado. I bet you my thousand people are more mature than yours. Bring it on, Willow Creek and Chicago, Bill Hybels. I mean, it's like, you know, could you imagine that? Like Church Smackdown? That'd be kind of fun. (laughs) That'd be be reality TV I'd watch. (laughs) Tonight, Bill Hybels versus... Okay, anyways... I mean, let's make Christian TV worth watching, right? That'd be fun. I mean, if anybody wants to help me get that to the TV, you can make your checks out. Um, kind of rubbed me the wrong way when he said that, but then I saw this verse and I'm like, huh, he's just doing what the Apostle Paul's doing. He's just saying, I'm their pastor and I can look at them and I can tell you they're growing. That I'm confident. In fact, it starts out by saying we ought always to thank God for you. Why should we thank God for you? Why? See that? See how language works? It's so interesting. Why should we thank God? Because your faith is growing more and more. Huh. Your faith is growing more and more. So Paul says that you can see if somebody's faith is growing. You can see if your own faith is growing. So I I pose the question to you. Is your faith growing? Is our church's faith growing? Would you say, bring it on, Rick Warren. Our faith is growing. (laughs) Would you say that? Would you say, yes, we're growing. We're maturing. We are increasing in love for one another. Now, I hope that makes a point that you can see if faith is growing. And remember how we're using this word faith. We're not, think, we're not talking about magical thinking. We're talking about relationship with God. Trust in your relationship with God. Are you growing in your trust in your relationship with God? That's what we're talking about here. That's what Paul is saying. He could see that they're growing in their relationship with God. They were trusting him more and more. You see, uh, the key thing about faith is that it deepens our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, it's interesting because um, there's this really famous verse. Tim Tebow wore it on his eye patch things in a football game. And then they said, hey, we can't do that anymore because it almost crashed the Google servers because the whole world was trying to figure out what does John 3.16 actually say? And before you get your smartphone out, uh, I don't know, let's look that up. I've got it for you on the next slide. (laughs) Many of you have probably memorized it. And it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, see how I help you out with the yellow? Isn't that so handy? Whoever believes in him, whoever has faith in him, whoever has trust in him, whoever has confidence in him, belief, faith, trust, They're synonyms. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, the way your relationship with God begins, with Jesus begins, is through faith. Did you know that that's how it ended as well? You see, faith, or excuse me, belief and unbelief are are two sides of the same door. You exit relationship with God through the door of unbelief, but you enter through the other side of that same door by having belief. In fact, we see this early in the scriptures where in Genesis chapter 3 we run into a talking snake. Now, I've made an argument that it's not a snake. I think it's better to understand it as the shining one, some kind of angelic being that's talking to Eve here. And it says, Now the shining one, the serpent, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? What's he trying to do? He's trying to make her doubt. Siblings do this all the time, don't they, with what mom and dad say? Did dad really say? You see, what they're trying to do is help little brother doubt because they've been around a little longer and they go... Dad's not going to kill you, okay? <laughs> Believe me, I've done it. He threatened it. He didn't do it. I'm still here. He's not going to kill you. Did, God, did dad really say he was going to skin you alive? Yeah, he told me that too. It never happens that way. You see, they're trying to cause the little one, they're trying to cause Eve to doubt, to exercise some unbelief and to act on that unbelief. And what does Eve do? Uh, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And then the next part of it. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. I mean, you know, this Satan's trying to expand it. You can't eat food? Wow, what a mean God. He's nasty, right? She's like, whoa, 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 Okay. We can eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. I had a friend the other day, I was having lunch with him. He's a pastor in Goodland, Kansas, and he doesn't like tomatoes and he believes that that's the fruit that the people ate. (laughs) And he also believes that's why you don't know whether it's a fruit or a vegetable because it's this wicked, nasty, and I like it though, I like tomatoes. I I think he's off his nut, but... uh, so then we had this deep theological argument about tomatoes for a while. but, And then it goes the next, the, the, the serpent counters, you will not certainly die. Right? Trust me. Don't trust God. Trust what I have to say. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like him. That's why he's really wanting you not to eat it because he wants to be the only one like him here. But if you eat it, then you'll be like him. You see, we exited our relationship with God through unbelief, through doubt, through lack of faith, through distrust. But John three sixteen says that the way you enter back into relationship with God is through the same door, just going the other direction. Having faith, having belief, having trust. There's nothing magical in this thing. This works in all your relationships. If you lose faith in somebody, you start to withdraw. You start to remove yourself from them. You start to have less intimacy with them, less relationship with them. But as faith and trust and belief grows, so does the relationship. It deepens. It grows. You see, when the Bible talks about faith, it's talking about your relationship with God, not some magic. So I ask you again, are you growing in your faith? Are are you growing in your relationship with God? For some of you, do you have a relationship with God? Have you exited the door through unbelief, through lack of faith, through distrust, and you need to come back through that door, through Christ and faith in Jesus, and you need to re enter into a relationship with your Heavenly Father? Have you done that? Nothing magical, just are you trusting Him and saying, I want the relationship with you? It's interesting because I've officiated weddings. And weddings are a moment that we talk a lot about faith and trust in one another, right? Till death do us part. That's a long time. And when you say that, you are exercising all sorts of faith. It's not magical. You're saying, I'm going to trust and have faith in this person. And when we enter into relationship with God, it's the same kind of dynamic. We're saying, I have faith and trust in you. I'm exercising my confidence in you that I can grow in relationship with God. Now, why would you want to grow in relationship with God? Why would that be helpful? I mean, I know lots of atheists who say he doesn't even exist. I know lots of agnostics who aren't sure if he exists or not, and if he does, we can't possibly know it. I know some—I uh, I know about some Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus, and they have completely different ideas about God and what we can and can't know about God. Do we want this? <laughs> is this a relationship that's helpful? Is this—is this a good thing for us? Well. Can I steal your imagination for a moment? (laughs) What if you had complete and utter and total trust in God? What would your life look like? I mean, just imagine if you just knew that nothing in your life hits you except for that which God knows is gonna hit you. Do you trust? Do you have faith? If you knew that God, the maker of everything you see, has your back, what would you worry about? What would you fear? I keep thinking about, you know, like, what if my best friend was like Arnold Schwarzenegger? In his prime, you know, because he's kind of broken down and old now, but (laughs) so am I. So, you know, hey, let's get him. (laughs) But... You know, when he was like the Terminator, you know, the young Terminator, what if Arnold was like my best friend and all of his guns? How would I behave? How would I act terrible? (laughs) Would I have much fear? Would I worry much about what people thought about me, what they said, how they treated me? I mean, only unless they had a bigger, better, badder friend than I had, right? But my big bad friend is Arnold. Well, here's the cool thing. God's way bigger than Arnold. He's got way more cool guns. haven't seen them, but I'm pretty sure he's got them. He's got resources. Uh, The scriptures say all the cattle on all the the hills, you think you own those? No. It says all the cattle are God's. He's got resources that you and I can't even imagine. It says that where he dwells, there is no sun. It's not needed for light. Where he dwells, the streets are paved in this translucent gold-like material. Where he lives, the front entrance is carved out of one big, huge pearl. If I really trusted him, do you think I would be like, oh, God, I don't know how I'm going to pay that bill this month. I don't know how on earth I would give anything to the church. I mean, there's just no way. (laughs) I mean, God, you just know how tight it is around here. I mean, God, I know you made me and you formed me and knit me together in my mother's womb, but there's this whole huge, big, huge health crisis I'm in right now. Thank God for doctors, because Lord knows you don't have a clue about this stuff. I mean, how would you behave? How would you live if you really believed, if you really had faith, if you really trusted God? Would it change anything? That was a really good time for an amen. Amen. (laughs) Or maybe you're just really thinking. Would it change anything? Would it make a difference? Would it make a difference in your everyday going to work, going to sleep, waking up life? I say it would. I believe it would. I have faith it would. I trust it would because I have experienced it myself. And many of you have too. Millions and billions of people for two thousand years have experienced it, and they know about it too. You see, when I think about this, I, I often scratch my head and I wonder, how come I sin? Why am I such a bonehead, God? Why can't I just... Why can't I just take this feeling of utter trust, utter dependence, utter surrender on you, and just live that every moment of every single day? Why are there times I just go? I don't know. I don't know if God really said that. I don't know. I'm pretty scared all of a sudden. I don't know. Start acting like a middle schooler. I don't know. I'm not sure about it. If you're middle school, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) If you're a parent in middle school, you totally know what I'm talking about. I mean, why is it that I just... I don't, I don't know if you're that big I don't know if you're that trustworthy I don't know if you're really going to come through I don't know if you really know my problems I don't know if you know If you really own all those cattle Because I know the Bledsoe's own a lot But I don't think you own any I mean I just don't know I mean why is it that I freak out Why do you Because your face not growing Because if your faith is growing, you're going deeper into your relationship with God. And if you are going deeper into your relationship with God, guess what? Your faith is growing. (laughs) And there's nothing magical about it. In fact, um, Andy Stanley came up with five catalysts for faith. And I think they are awesome. Awesome way of thinking about this. Catalysts for faith. Because, like I said in communion, this isn't something that you just try harder at. Well, I'm going to try harder to trust God. <laughs> really? Okay, good luck with that. Now I'm worrying about trusting God. Oh, man, am I really trusting God? I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I don't feel like I am. But yesterday I felt like I was. I mean, you can make yourself crazy. You probably are hearing that I've made myself crazy. Don't laugh at that. How do we know we're growing? What are catalysts for our faith? And we're going to take a look at these for the next few days. For the next few, yeah, we're all going to come back tomorrow. For the next few weeks, I'll be here. I don't think anybody else will join me. Um, He says these things. Actually, I'm jumping ahead of myself, Bailey. You just remind me of something. This is one of my favorite stories in the scriptures. Can I... Rewind the tape just a hair and you'll stay with me. We're going to get back to those because they're really good. But now we got to go to this because this is even better. There's this amazing story where Jesus gives us some insight on why our faith is so important to God. Why our faith is so important to our Heavenly Father. Because not only is there good stuff in it for us, like who will you worry about, what will you fear, what will you dread, how are you going to get through this life. I mean, that's a really good thing. There's a lot of pluses and and a lot of good things for us if we exercise faith and trust and belief in God. But did you know that there's something in it for God too? Because when we grow in our faith, when we exercise great faith, it's like giving God a standing ovation. When we exercise trust in God, he is glorified, he is honored, he is made famous. You know those situations I'm talking about. You've watched some people who are just down on their luck. Horrible things are happening. Their health is betraying them. They're in a difficult situation and they just hold on to faith, to their faith in God, to their relationship with God. I mean, you've seen those people. And what do you think when you see them? I mean, I go, man, God, that is cool. You are amazing that you are helping them. I hope and pray that when I am in their shoes, you will be that for me. And it makes him famous and it gives him glory. And we've also seen people who walk those same paths and ditch God and don't have any faith in God. And we just watch their life blow up and go out of control. And we watch them just... And we, we go to their funeral, and we officiate their funeral, and we're just reeling, going, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't have any faith. There wasn't anything there. They didn't have any trust in God. Why, are, why am I here? I'm a person that believes in God. Why am I the one that's elected to talk at this? Because we have completely different paradigms get somebody who doesn't have faith to come talk about the funeral because they got stuff to say, I guess. I don't have anything to say in that case. Right? I mean, that sounds really mean and nasty and cruel, but it's true. I wouldn't have anything to say at a Muslim's funeral, a Buddhist funeral, a Hindu funeral. wouldn't have anything to say. Nothing that they believed in. Why recruit me to have that funeral for somebody who doesn't believe what I believe? Makes no sense. We've watched people walk through life without faith in God, and it brings him no glory whatsoever. Nothing. He gets nothing from them and their life. And if that's how you want to live, you are free to do it. You are. That's the cool thing about God. He's bigger than you, but he's big enough to say, do whatever you want. I don't have to control you. I don't have to make you do what I want you to do. Go off, live your life, have a wonderful one. But he reminds you constantly, it's just a mist. It's here one day and gone the next. And then what? When the the trap door of life falls out, who's going to be there to, to catch you when you die? utter nothingness, you just become one of utter darkness and utter non-conscience, well then go shoot up in elementary school, right? Because life is meaningless. And none of us should be upset when bad stuff happens because if we believe in nothing and no one, where does good come from? Why be a good person? Why try hard? May at least be consistent with what you believe. Boy, I don't know where that rant came from. That was from Jesus or something. It's not even in my notes. Let's get back to this story real quick. <laughs> so Jesus sees this centurion, a Roman, a, a goyim like you and me, a non-Jew. And this centurion hears about Jesus and he says, hey, I got this sick servant at home and I'm pretty sure you could heal him. And Jesus says, all right, let's go to your house. And and this goyim, this, this Gentile says, oh, Lord, I am a sinful man and I am not worthy of you to come into my home, but I am a man that understands authority. And I understand that if you will just say the words, my servant will be healed. You know what Jesus does? Yeah, of course you do, because you've been reading this for the last 10 minutes. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Do you know how many times Jesus was amazed in the New Testament? Once. I studied it. I looked it up. One time. And it wasn't even a Jew. It wasn't a religious leader. It wasn't a pastor. It wasn't a God-fearing person. It was a Roman soldier who wowed Jesus. The Greek says that he marveled, that he was astonished, that he had extraordinary, just, it was like a wow moment for God. Are you kidding me? You believe in me? You trust me that much that you're not going to be like, oh, I don't even know if he's going to come to my house. I don't even know if this is going to work. I'm not even quite sure. And you've got enough faith to say, if I just say something from here, your servant's going to be made, heal- made well, it's going to be healed? And then look what he does. I love this because he, he he talks out loud. He insults all the followers. Because where are they at? Israel. He's hanging out with Jewish people. And he says, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone. Anyone. That includes Peter and John. Anyone, all you boneheads following me around every day watching me do this stuff, I have yet to find anyone in Israel with such great faith. Wow. Now, which one of these do you want to be when Jesus talks about you? Do you want Jesus to go, Wow, that was awesome way to go? I mean, I thought cancer was going to kick your butt, and it did. But man, you had faith in me, and you came through that thing, and you glorified me, and that was awesome. Or do you want them to go? Still looking. Can't find them. Where are they? What does it take? Me dying on the cross for all you boneheads? How am I going to get through to you? <laughs> Notice how he did that and I'm you know, trying to get you up to speed on that one real quick. I love that story. I want to be a person whose faith in God, meaning my relationship with God is growing and my trust in God is growing that I wow God with my faith. But you know what that means? I got I to gotta do life a little different than people who don't have faith in God. And to some people, i got to look a little kooky and a little different, a little weird. And i got to do things that just aren't going to be the coolest, the best, the greatest. I mean, you already see how I dress sometimes, right? And that has nothing to do with my faith. It just has to do with my lack of style. But there's going to be times that your faith in Christ is going to demand things out of you that you're not going to want to do. And is Jesus going to applaud and say, wow, that was amazing? Or is he going to be like, still looking? See, that's what God gets out of our faith. He gets that relationship too. He gets to love you and to provide for you and to come through for you and to get involved in your life in ways that you may not have yet experienced. All right. Now, Andy Stanley said that there's these catalysts for our faith. And these are great. The next slide, Bailey. <laughs> next one. <laughs> I'm having to skip because I keep talking. He says, these are five catalysts that when you talk to most people who are growing in their faith, when you observe people who are growing in their faith, you can see these five things playing a role in their life in some way. One is practical teaching and practical teaching is just teaching that tells us where we are and where we need to be. So practical teaching just says, you know, this is what you're doing and this is where you need to do it. And this is how you need to do it. And this is the way you need to straighten up. And, and, and this is what you need to trust God with and work on with him. Uh, Providential relationships, those are just relationships where we get to hear from God through other people in our lives. Hopefully you've experienced this. And not in, you know, I'm not talking weird kooky way, like, you know, the Lord told me to tell you kind of way. But more just the way where you walk and do life with them. And they just say things and you're like, huh, maybe that was God talking into my life because I needed to hear that. Um, The other ones. Private disciplines. That's where you take your Bible and you read it, or you pray, or you fast, or you live a simple life, or you give. All those are private disciplines that we do. And as we do those things, they help grow our relationship with God. Uh, Pivotal circumstances, that bad news you get from somebody, that difficult path you walk through, or those great things that happen to you. I mean, this is any circumstance we find ourselves in that's pivotal, that raise, that job opportunity, uh, that marriage that's coming up. Those are all pivotal circumstances, and they're opportunities for God to grow our faith. And then personal ministry, where we get to see God use us, where we get to see God impact other people. And and especially when we go, God, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have anything to offer. And then something cool happens and we actually minister to somebody and God actually uses us in the life of someone. And we go, wow, I should have trusted you that you would actually help me if I stepped out and started to do some of these things. You see, all these five catalysts, we're going to talk about these for the next couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about how God uses these catalysts to grow our faith. And when we say that God's going to grow our faith, we mean that He's going to grow our relationship with Him. It's nothing magical. I hope and pray, as your pastor, that you want to grow in your relationship with Christ. I really do. I hope and pray you want to grow in your relationship with the heavenly father through Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we think we just got to study the Bible more and we think that's the way to get to know God more. And it's one thing that's good, but it's not just about getting smarter about Bible stuff if you don 't believe that, watch some PBS special on the life of Jesus, where they interview secular well not not secular but religious scholars from Yale and Harvard people who don 't know Jesus but they know a lot about the Bible it 's not about just knowing the Bible really well. If you have lots of smarts, it just makes you prideful it 's not about obeying more because obeying more makes you judgmental about the people who aren't obeying well. It's about trusting God, having a relationship with God. And I hope and pray that as you grow in your relationship with God, you want to read your Bible and you want to practice personal, private disciplines. And you want to obey more because you want to know God more, because you do know God more. And those become a natural outgrowth of your relationship with them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that um, we would all take a hard look at ourselves in the next couple weeks and through the coming months and this year and that we would ask ourselves, do we really have faith in our Heavenly Father? Do we have faith in Jesus Christ, his only son? Have we actually truly walked back through the door of belief and into relationship with God? And Lord, if we find ourselves not there yet, um, I pray that you would continue to move us closer to that threshold. For those of us who have done that a long time ago and... uh, Maybe we haven't grown like we feel we should have by now. Help us to get off the treadmill of thinking it's about us trying harder. Help us to understand that it's about surrender to you. And faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray that uh, you would encourage us to grow our faith. Our relationship deeper and deeper each day Holy Spirit make it so now may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you may the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace may we all grow in our faith more and more in 2013 Amen